Hello and welcome to Three Season Apart from Provision Advisors, the podcast for and about the global communications environment. Three Season Apart, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors, a look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Folks, we're back in the seats once again. We're ready to talk shop and discuss a few things bouncing around the news. With the impeachment trial ending, we now face the task ahead of us to move forward or at least attempt to. The nation certainly finds itself at a crossroads as we look to find balance in both our leadership and our communities. We'll get into some of that in today's show. Also, if you missed last week's episode with Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick of Grapevine Health, please visit our website and give a listen. It's definitely worth your time. Take a moment to hear her words on demystifying the COVID vaccine in what she calls COVID speak. Hey, folks, please continue to check us out. Three C's in a pod, available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate your follow and your feedback each week. And you can find us on Twitter at ProV Advisors with an S. And again, check us out on our website, www.provisionadvisors.net. All right, gentlemen, we do have a show to do. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, there is uh, the impeachment trial, which is now behind us. Uh, and we pretty much collectively uh, as a nation face the task of moving forward. Um, Chris and John, we have faced, well, we have, we have talked uh, in the past on this show, uh, on this podcast about um, our desires, um, you know, for the new year, our desires uh, in terms of our expectations, what we want uh, from ourselves as friends, what we want from ourselves as business partners, and what we want to see across our communities. Uh, for the folks listening out there, I say, you know, let's talk a little bit about where we go now. Um, you know, where we where we see ourselves, where we see our communities and, and, and what's revolving around us uh, as we try to step forward uh, out of the general malaise that we that we were in. Uh, Chris, I'll go to you first. Let's start with the impeachment. I think that from from my perspective, it played out exactly the way that I thought it would. Um, the House impeachment managers presented a compelling case and the Republicans in the Senate, which were critical to that case, you know, it's a, it's a civics review, right? So the 67 senators had to agree and had to hold him uh, accountable. Um, and what you saw was um, you saw all of the Democratic senators vote. Um, that he was guilty. And you saw only seven senators on the Republican side vote that he was guilty. And so therefore, he was acquitted. And so what you know, you saw on Saturday and Sunday, um, some frustration, you saw some gloating. Um, I would say, you know, okay, it played out. Um, I, I think it was a distraction. It was a bit of a um, reopening of the wound for some, um, right. a reopening of the wound from, you, you know, the four years of Trump, the scary day um, up on Capitol Hill. And, you know, you, you had up until that point, two weeks or so of healing with the new Biden administration. And then, you know, we were focused back, we were looking backwards again. So all of that is, is to say that now I think that whether it's the government whether it's the White House, whether it's a small business, I think you've got to encourage your audiences to begin to look forward. What challenges lie ahead? What opportunities lie ahead? What is the focus for 2021? How do you continue to deal with the, I won't even say lingering effects of COVID-19, the ever-changing effects of COVID-19? And how do you begin to right the ship economically or maintain um, the ship, the, the trajectory that you're on um, as, as you move forward? So um, I think that this is a time for leadership. It's a time for, again, whether you're Joe Biden or whether you're you know, Chris Cervello, uh, that's a, a part of the leadership team of a small business. I think the, the message to your constituents has to be, we're looking forward. Um, and yes, there are still uh, raw wounds from 2020 and from you know 2017 to 2020, but we have to move forward if we want to be successful. And I think that the organizations that are able to effectively communicate that message will do very well. I think the 
organizations or leaders that continue to focus on what what has happened in the past, I, I think they will struggle. I think they'll struggle with their audiences and I think they'll struggle with their bottom line. Um, John, I'm going to get to you in just a second. I want Chris, I want to ask one more question. How important, you, you mentioned leadership. How important is uh, seeing the, the optics that are coming from the White House? And what I mean by that is um, everything from Valentine's Day hearts on the White House lawn to uh, the, the the dogs milling about the uh, the grounds, the White House grounds, and and I'm not trying to be too too you know I'm not trying to be funny, but uh, but Jess, how important is it for the nation to see the optics that you would I don't know uh, I don't necessarily want to say normal, but just um, something maybe of a throwback to a more steady uh, atmosphere in the White House. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think regardless of your politics, I, I think that it you have to look at Joe Biden and you have to look at the type of leader that Joe Biden has been and will be. And, you know, quote unquote, normal or traditional are words that come to mind. So it's not surprising that you have a more um, normal and for some that normal translates to comfortable um messaging out out of the white house the you know the engagements with the first lady look and feel more like what you're used to the softer side of the president that that the white house any white house other than the trump white house tried to portray looks and feels normal and therefore comfortable you know i think for some it will feel contrived because it's very different than what we're used to over the last 4 years right um but i think objectively i mean i i think it is you know i, I think that's just reality and i think the white house is doing a good job of trying to communicate reality and allowing people to draw their own conclusions on um whether this reality is better than the previous reality that we all dealt with uh, John, talk to me. What do you see as a way uh, in which people can move forward? Is there, um, you know, is, is there a significant change that you see uh, happening right now? Well, I think moving forward is obviously the thing that has to happen. Dan Pfeiffer, um, who's a former Obama administration staffer and one of the co-hosts of the Pod Save America podcast, wrote something really good this past week about, all right, so the impeachment you know, what do you do? How do you channel this? How do you go forward? And there have been a lot of articles this week post-impeachment covering a broad swath of people, you know, talking about their coping mechanism. And Oliver, who hosts Last Week Tonight on HBO, was talking about how, you know, where does comedy go? You know, where, where everything from SNL to John Oliver to the Late Late Show to, um, you know, to, to every late night host using Trump as a punchline um, and, and a source, you know, or, or, or a receptacle for their, for their angst and anger and cynicism and, and comedy where, um, and, and it has everyone at a crossroads. And I think it's healthy that there, there isn't this Trumpism to discuss anymore um, because I, I really do believe that it has led to further polarization the more that we accept the conversation, the more that we can just make fun of regular things on Saturday Night Live, the more that we can discuss financial issues that this country is facing, the more that we can do real social change issues being held back. Um, and I'm not saying that this country was unnecessarily preoccupied by trying to hold a former president accountable for a heinous act on January 6th. But I do believe that we all have to find some way to move the conversation forward and, and organizations out there, companies, leaders, they, they need to have that empathetic ear to their, to their people. Where does this go now? You know, where, where did they channel their, their anger, their frustration, their energies um, in the, in the coming days and months, particularly when you have challenges ahead that, I think are much more important. And I never thought I'd say that something was more important than holding President Trump accountable, but that, that's my that's my evolution. That's my growth. 
um, we really do. We need to, and I'm going to talk about it in the rear view mirror in the, uh, on the horizon segment, really do need to focus on communicating about the, about the uh, vaccination process. We need to communicate how we fix the education system um, and fix our kids who have been out of school forever. Um, fix ourselves, uh, you know, that the country is facing a great many um, emotional issues because of a year of being locked up. Um, so that that's where it has to go. I, I, I am very happy on this, but the media has to play a role in this, that they keep giving the, the Trump administration and the people in Trump's orbit this space. And you know, should they? I don't know. It, that's that's a longer podcast, probably something for a more substantive blog down the road. But you bring up CNN and, you know, the, the very lead story is about extremist leaders who are tied to Trump refusing to stop their narrative. This is all happening while, you know, you, you, you watch any other news and, you know, Texas is under, you know, a ridiculous weather uh, event right now that that has people in real danger. Um, so there there are other news stories out there. I'm looking forward to people covering those instead of this. I think you have to ask yourself, though, why are they covering them? And, and with, without like turning this into the full hour, I mean, exactly. Yeah, no, that's I mean, it's they, a, that's a good point. Divide, right. I mean, a divided country is good for business um, for uh, information and entertainment. And so to your point about, you know, what will, what will late night TV or comedy, um, you, you know, use as the seed corn for their jokes. Um, I, I want to see who the first, you know, late night comedian or late night talk show host that, you know, holds the Biden administration accountable for what, you know, what will inevitably be mistakes, right? I mean, all White Houses make mistakes. All White Houses do dumb things or do um, controversial things. Um, you know, this president has the benefit of following a unpopular uh, president from a media standpoint, from the left-leaning media standpoint. And so he'll he'll get a pass for a while, but at some point, something he does will be funny to mainstream and people will have to call him on it. And so how much of a pass will he get and how much of a business interest will the media have in continuing to relitigate um, and give air to the Trump narrative? Uh, I mean, these, these are all things that like real people, real communicators at a business or organization level have to deal with as they try to um, as they try to compete in that crowded media environment. Yeah, I think it's extremely healthy to criticize uh, Joe Biden. In fact, I, I'm involved in a group chat with a bunch of college friends of mine. And, and we have remarked at length that there are people in that group chat who would lean to the right, and there are people in that group chat who lean to the left. And, and my point in that group chat has always been that politics and friendship are very, very strange and things that can't coexist. But, you know, we talk about the level of fairness that going forward, if, if SNL or, or, you know, communicators are to be viewed as neutral and fair, then, then yeah, the criticism to the, to the Biden administration should be there and making fun of Joe Biden should hope does happen. And, you know, there, there was a dust up in the news in the last two weeks uh, the deputy press secretary, T.J. Ducklow, um, you know, the his his treatment of a member of the media and the use of the words I will destroy you is very similar, in my opinion, to the words you guys are fake news that that Trump and Sean Spicer and others have used for the last four years. So it needs to be covered fairly and, and people need to be held accountable, particularly in the communication space. If we're going to fix the with the media, and we're going to discuss this with Jason Newton of WBAL News um, in our deep dive segment. It, we we have to we have to provide equity across the whole thing, and and not give the Biden administration passes on things that we didn't provide to the Trump administration. That that's just that's the way you move forward. Um, is is equity 
you know, how do we establish equity in this conversation? And and I and I'm looking forward to that first time that we do get the administration accountable for something that they did wrong, because like you said, they will do something wrong. You both bring up uh, the entertainment aspect uh, of this uh, ongoing conversation. Uh, I had long looked at, at what was happening during the last four years uh, under the past administration. I found it analogous to talk about Ghostbusters 2 and that the country felt as if there was a slime running underneath us that was causing us to act um, act the way that that many of us did, myself included. Uh, and now I find myself with, you know, Chris, when you talk about that leadership, whether it's leadership at the White House or leadership within our own uh, homes, and John, as you talked about, just in terms of being accountable. Well, now I feel like anytime that I'm about to step out there um, and, and communicate or add to things in a way that aren't necessarily positive and aren't educated uh, in terms of, uh, of my actions across digital media or in a conversation with people, I need a Dr. Venkman to come in there with a little electric shock and <laughs> stop me before I, I digress. Uh, <laughs> Peter Venkman references this early. That's great. I love it. <laughs> Folks, we're going to take a quick break. We will be back. This is Three C's with Chris, John, and Michonne. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. You know him as co-anchor of WBAL-TV 11 News today. He is also host of the public affairs show 11 TV Hill, an Emmy award-winning reporter whose news travels have taken him around the country covering stories of national interest. Three C's is proud to have your Terrapin's favorite Terrapin, <laughs> University of Maryland's own Mr. Jason Newton on the show with us. Welcome, sir. Hey, man, it's good to be known as a Terp. I mean, for a while when I was at Maryland, we couldn't cheer for, for football because he wasn't doing too well. <laughs> now Coach Lox is bringing us back and Turge is keeping the, the basketball going. So yeah, proudly, proudly a Terp. And thank you both for having me. Hey, Jason, we're glad to have you as a Cavalier. Uh, I do my best to welcome uh, uh, <laughs> welcome Terrapins to the hey, show. I know it's hard, but Sean, hey, I know it's hard, man. We're, we're different leagues now. We're good. I, listen, I gave, it, I gave it the best effort I could possibly <laughs> Listen, uh, My Jason. My cousin's a Wahoo, so I understand. Hey, hey listen, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that off air. <laughs> uh, Jason, first of all, thank you for giving us some time today. Mm -hmm. I'll start you off with a with a fairly easy one. Um, looking back over the twelve months uh, that we've just endured uh, across this nation, um, from your you know your your position as a broadcaster, how has it been in the newsroom? How, how has it changed? Uh, the dynamic of presenting the news uh, over these past 12 months? I mean, it's changed everything, Bashan. I mean, it, I, I mean, to the simplest of the way you walk into the building. Um, you know, the, a year ago, I, I wasn't double checking to make sure I had a mask on. Um, and I would walk into a newsroom of, I don't know, I always lose count, but let's just say at that point, I was walking into a, a building of 30. Okay. And now that's probably slashed in half. So uh, just even physically has changed everything, man. And and then beyond that, then you're thinking about your health as you walk into a building. I never, mm. I never walked into a, a office building and worried, you know, how many times I wash my hands or if if I touch something, I should go use sanitizer or um, who was in the the dressing room before me and should I sanitize the desk? Like that stuff that as Americans, like we never thought of that. I mean, and right. think of how how weird we thought it was when we would see people from other countries getting on an airplane with a mask on you know, and you you kind of shuddered and stood back. And now that's that's reality. So I think the, the biggest thing is just um, the physical um, toll that it takes just um, as you walk into the building. So that's been the biggest change. Um, presenting the news is odd because we never have spent so much time, at least me, on the same story. 9-11, um, right. yeah, we, we stuck on that for a while, but, you know, eventually you moved on or um, some of the war in Afghanistan. There was always like a short story in there that we did make sure we covered. But then again, by the second block of news, we moved on. We could still do an entire show on the coronavirus. And I don't think anyone would flinch, uh, whether it's the right. vaccine or the country that has leading cases or getting kids back into school. Uh, so it's really um, I think overall it's taken over everything and, and rightfully so. Jason, do you see that in, in terms of the, the, the change, the shift, is anything, in your opinion, now permanent? Like, will we ever go back the other direction? I think that 
Business-wise, uh, there's no use of, of buying office space in a skyscraper anymore. You figured out that people um, can work just efficiently at, at home. I think health-wise, right. I, I think we're going to wear masks for a while. And I think that we will um, obey some social distancing rules as well. Um, I think that um, a lot of things that we're doing, you know, hand-washing stations, I think we're going to be, you know, like how cruises, cruises were dealing with a neurovirus for so long, and, and, and you had to go through, I don't know if you've been on a cruise lately, you had to go through a hand-washing station before you go to the buffet. Uh, so if you, th- if you think it's, it's, it's staying with them, it's not just going to be there. I mean, it'll go beyond that now. So I think that... Uh, I think that we are going to pay more attention to our health than we have before, which I, which is a good thing, but it's just something that we never thought um, we'd pay this much attention to. From my perspective, you know, having been a longtime fan, you know, and, and our relationship started as as I was a public affairs officer at the Naval Academy, and then later with MDOT. Um, you know, we we've always watched the national news, and then you know, kind of compare, contrast it, and and deal with it along with our obligations or our attention to the local news. So for you, where, where do you think, where do you think that line is now between, you know, the, the requirement to talk about national news stories, like what's going on in Texas right now and, and the politicizing of what's going on in Texas, whether a Senator from that state is in Cancun or not, or, you know, whether it's much more important that Maryland is getting a snow event today. How, how do you balance the, the trends that are going on in national news with the local stories that, that your audience wants to hear? And do you sometimes feel frustrated by needing to keep it more local? No, I love I love the fact we have to keep it more local. I always think that local news is going to take you into Miss Johnson's home, if that makes sense. Um, we're going to get to know her. We're going to know why she wants the vaccine or not. We're going to know why her son won the valedictorian. We're going to figure out why she needs the trash to be picked up more often. Uh, the national landscape, you know, I'll name cities, and sometimes people may not even know um, that they may be thinking I'm talking about the east side of Texas and not east Texas or, or west side of Texas, not west Texas. So, I mean, we do have an obligation to let people know what's going on on a grand scale. You need to know about the power outage in Texas. Uh, you need to know about um, a mass shooting somewhere. You need to know uh, a lot of things to make you a well-rounded person. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I think that my job uh, is more important to my viewers, our viewers, I should say, not my viewers. Um, they, I want to tell the story that affects the most people uh, within our viewing area. And they want to know about um, how the city is going to handle getting the ice off the roads uh, when they're trying to get to their vaccine appointment. Um, they want to know, you know, their kids have been in the house for a year now, and they're trying to get them out of the house to go back to the classroom. How can they make that happen? And for the teacher, she wants to know, well, will I get to anywhere in the line to get a shot if they're worried about um, having this this virus. Sure, I mean, they're dealing with a lot of these same things around the country. I don't know if, if the viewer here is gonna care about Ms. Jones, the Tampa Bay resident. I think they wanna know about the person who's two doors down and say, oh, she works at social security also and has to drive that same, that same route. That's gonna be me on that same bus. Um, so I would much rather tell that ground level story. Um, and I think there's a more of a rapport when people, you know, people, you know, people in Maryland, they pick a station and they stick to it. Um, and so there's a WBAL family of however many, just as there's a Jay-Z family and an MAR family, but um, I feel connected more to those people than I would say Lester Holt will. And he, and he has a, a totally different audience, a great audience, but I think ours is just different. So, and, and you bring up a great point. I want to piggyback on that. How do you all feel, and Bashan asked you about even logistically what it's mm-hmm. like running a newsroom now, what do you feel you have to do to remain relevant? You know, as a lot of people think that local news is dying, and I'll ask you about, um, I'll ask you about the Alban Capital and, and the, and the uh, nonprofit purchase of the Baltimore Sun mm-hmm. and, and all of that here in a second, but you know, to localize it, how, how do you feel you have to evolve in order to keep those messages relevant to your audiences? Like just the other day, some people would have thought it was hokey or dumb or, or just plain sophomoric that Ava Marie is like baking cakes in order to show you the different levels of atmosphere and stuff. And all of a sudden it was like wildly popular and almost viral online. 
what do you think you have to do and, and where do you think the changes will be on the horizon in order to keep your messages fresh and relevant to those audiences who are probably looking for a new and unique way of ingesting their news? Well, I, I think the, the consumption and the broadcasting of news uh, has just changed. My biggest foe right now is this here, and I'm showing it was this is an audio show, but um, cell phone. Um, cell phone can do my entire job. Uh, it's a television studio in your hand. It can shoot the video, it can broadcast the video, you can narrate the video. Uh, and, and part of it also, the, the issue with doing, well, there are a lot of issues that go along with it. One, uh, there's a citizen journalist who is right down the street who can automatically get it. So we're, we're going up against them. So we have to sort of look at our model and figure out how we can be part of that. Part of it is, I can't think of a better word, but weaponizing the, the viewer out there to say, listen, you have this, and we have an outlet as well. And so you'll hear us say, you know, if you ever have, if you have pictures of such and such, send it on in to blah, 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 because we can't be everywhere. But we know that the cell phone is. I mean, everybody has one. I struggled with my father who said he'd never want to have a cell phone at 73 years old, um, is not only on it, but if he has a question, he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll look it up on Google, which I never thought I'd hear him say. So the fact that he's doing it, you know it's down the line to young people who only have known a world with cell phones. So they don't come to us first. They'll put in a search on Twitter or on Instagram and they're looking for it. So that's, I think that's part of, of how we have to stay relevant. We have to figure out a way to harness that power, not just for um, purposes of, of advertising dollars, but also reaching out to um, people who are using it. Now, the, the thing about those people is that they have been so trained on the cell phone that their attention span has totally changed. So as mom and dad, my parents will sit and watch all of 60 Minutes I don't know if a 20-something or even a 30-something will watch an entire magazine show. And so that ends up being a challenge as well. So with Ava and her, her cake explanation, um, I don't think it was just, you know, tailored to people with short attention spans, but her talking versus her showing, listen, instead of me giving you all these scientific terms, instead of me talking about uh, cirrus clouds and cumulonimbus and blah, 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 Let's break it down to a, a pink cake and a blue cake. And I think the pink was actually supposed to be red, but it didn't paint, it didn't, didn't bake that way. Yeah. <laughs> but it, uh, but, but it, it hits you. It's a sensory thing. Uh, and I think that's what a viewer is now. A viewer is very sensory uh, oriented because if they don't like you and if they're tired of you talking, they know they don't just have to go to 13 or two. They have like 250 gazillion stations they can go to. And if they don't like that, they can go to YouTube and search for exactly what they want. So we have to make sure that we're finding ways um, to, to reel them in. So so there's that. And also I, I, I ramble. So cut me off when I'm going too far. Another thing with um, so, uh, the phone is that social media is there as well. And, and I, so I have decided, I got a, a book. I love jokes. My father always called himself the master jokester in the house. So I've always loved puns, which I think are hilarious and other people just groan at. And so I've, I found a book at Barnes and Noble. Uh, and so who knew that me sneaking up on Mindy and telling her a dad joke would end up being something that people like. And I said to my father the other day, 20 years of working in TV and what I'm gonna end up being known for is telling corny jokes to my coworker <laughs> to the point where if I don't do one within four days, like people are Instagram, hey man, you, you didn't stop doing the jokes, did you? Oh, we're missing the dad joke. Um, so so part now of Walter Cron Cronkite, he can't just tell you the news. Now he has to go on Instagram and I'm not Walter Cronkite. I'm not calling myself that. Uh, you have to go on social media now. You have to feed the Instagram beast with pictures. You have to feed Twitter with a quick little thing with maybe a picture because people won't, won't just read it. So I got to have a picture of that. And then I have to go on Facebook to ask your opinion and not be offended by your opinion. Um, so I, I think that it's, I think if I had around this answer into one thing, I think the cell phone is is not the enemy, but it's it's definitely the competition. And everything about it, the way you use it, uh, the way you consume it, um, we have to somehow adapt to TV. Jason, uh, let me switch gears on you just for a moment. Okay. Uh, we have long talked on three season a pod and uh, as also as provision advisors uh, talking to our clients. We tell them uh, that they need to be aware of their audience, uh, both internally and externally. Uh, and also understanding uh, the presence of the right people at the table and uh, something that we call uh, intrusive listening um, is what we try to promote. Given that you and I, we're, we're about uh, in, the, in a similar age bracket, as we look at, you know, we're here we are in Black History Month and in my household growing up, it almost seemed as if it was 
um, Black History Month became almost a brand, not unlike Coca-Cola uh, or, or your, or, you know, laundry detergent, what have you. Like, hey, this is, this is now the time to use this brand, this branding. So I say all that to get to the question of the, we understand that news organizations, you know, you have a parent company that, that would own, um, you know, own the station uh, and what goes on in the station. So how do you, uh, in your position, look at the that mandate coming down from the parent company versus what would be your responsibility to your community? And then as an extension of that, um, the demands of, of Black voices, diverse as they may be, mm-hmm. uh, do you feel that there is that tug of war as you sit in your in your chair? Uh, I always have said to jokingly, but it's serious, like, you know, I'm, I will always be black. So it's not that's not changing. And so uh, it's the experience that that I know that's the house I grew up in. Parents are black, grandparents, black, brothers, black. So um, so that's what I know well. Uh, and I think that being um, a citizen of Baltimore, the people that I've connected with that I remember who still come up to me since second grade, the majority probably are um, black. And so. Uh, I have a good vehicle with 11 TV Hill um, where I can sort of craft that show. Um, a lot of times we go to the same experts who we love, who are great experts, uh, who know a lot about elections and know a lot about sports and know a lot about this, that, the other thing. Uh, and so we have worked as a team on that show to ensure that the people that we have on the show are representative of the city. I'm not saying it's an all black show, but I'm saying that if there's an opportunity to have John Bullock on to talk about elections, I'm going to try to find that. Uh, if there's an opportunity to have kids on to talk about the pressures of um, of working at home through a pandemic, I'm going to put out an all call. But yeah, I'm going. To, I want to hear what the experience is for uh, a young black kid learning to that. I want to hear. I want to make the comparison to maybe what a young white kid is is learning as well. Um, I think that it is important for us to show the city as it is. Um, a lot of times you see us do like man on the street interviews, and, and it's. Let me tell you, it's the worst. It's the worst thing ever. I thought, as a reporter, um, as I was out more, um, going to the grocery store and showing, throwing a microphone in somebody's face, getting an answer, and walking away. And usually, it's they're on one side of the issue, and then the other side, and then you're good. Um, and I'll admit, when I first started doing it at my station in Salisbury, it didn't matter who I got. I just needed five seconds, and I'm done. Uh, and as I've gotten older, and I think back to those times, like there was no like diversity and opinion, like it was either yes or no, I was good. And I did my minute 30 story and I was, I was out, but I deprived myself of all these different opinions that people may have um, that as I got older, I started to understand. I think as a parent, like when you go to a PTA meeting, you assume that, that you're all on the same page about stuff and, and rah, rah about it. But there are people who live, go, we have, my kids go to a citywide school. There are people who live in different parts of the city whose concerns might be different. Mm-hmm. So that same model I think applies with, with TV. Um, we had a big discussion. I, I applaud Hearst, and this, this is not to get a, a raise out of Hearst. I really do applaud them for what they did. They, they brought as many employees together to say, listen, what aren't we doing right? How right. can we make sure that we are representing everyone in your, in your cities? How even within our building, do you feel like you're represented well? Do you feel like you're treated well? Have you ever had an experience in one of our buildings where you felt uncomfortable? Um, and coming out of the, that meeting was a concerted effort to make sure that we're not going back to the same well every time. Um, to ensure that, you know, we flash up mugshots. We always get these weird emails. There's some people who say, oh, why didn't you say what race they are? And then other people say, why did you say what race they are? Uh, and who knew the people cared about that? And so now we give you a description. If we have a description that's well enough that you can pick somebody out, then yeah, we'll give that to you. Um, but we want to make sure that we are sensitive in the images that we put out uh, and the stories and how we uh, are presenting those stories, not changing how we portray people. They are who they are on TV. Mm-hmm. But we want to make sure they're not the same, that it's not always, um, you know, Susan from Parkville. And maybe it's Susan from Upton or Susan from uh, who lives down on Presbury Street where where my grandmother and grandfather lived. Or maybe it's Susan who's in Randallstown. Or maybe we want to make sure that. Um, it's a wealth of opinions because we don't all have the same opinion just because we have the same zip code. Um, so, uh, you know, I applaud our company in making sure that we are reaching out more now. Are we right. perfect? Heck no. Um, you know, we got, we're on a deadline, so we're trying to get stuff done. But I think that we are doing more now than ever before to make sure that we're representing um, our viewing area as the area that it is interpersonally, not television-wise. Right. And, and to that end, to that point you're making right there, it's it's interesting as I talk 
with my friend groups, uh, with my colleagues as this, this shining light or the, the light is brighter, right? On diversity, equity, and inclusion today mm -hmm. than say it was this time last year. Um, I guess, depending on, on which, you know, uh, which boardroom you were in or, or, or which, uh, which company you, know, you were working for. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's interesting to ask people, do you feel that there is an added burden to raise your hand or speak up? And when you see something is wrong or see something that, hey, wait a minute, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be doing that or saying that. Uh, is that, is that something of a burden or is that just come with the territory? You know, I don't know. Use the word burden, and I don't. I don't know if it's a burden. I would say that as I've grown older, my voice has grown louder. Uh, as the young reporter twenty years ago, the things that I've spoken up for as the forty-something now, I would not. I would have never done. I would have never done it. I don't know if it's because of comfort and I was scared of losing my job, or maybe I felt back then that's something you don't talk about. But now I definitely will raise my hand if I feel like we aren't representing the city well. I think that what's impressive is that there are other people who are raising their hand who I did not anticipate to be raising their hand, if that makes sense to you. Yes, yes. There are, there are younger people, there are people of different races, there are people of different religions, there are people who do all, you know, you know on one side of the gun debate and the other side, I mean, you name the division, uh, it's there. And I'm I'm happy to see people raise their hands. You know, that was one thing that I've, I've always thought about some of the protests that we've seen, uh, whether you want to call it protests, unrest, whatever, um, throughout the city here in Baltimore was that when you pan the camera, um, the different people that you saw. Um, and I think that the message definitely, for whatever reason, I don't know why this was the, well, why this called people out of their houses, but corner of Roland Avenue in, in Northern Parkway, for one of those, um, this, one of those um, marches. Um, Charles Street, down the street there, throughout downtown. Um, I saw young kids when uh, we went through the Freddie Gray uh, yes. uprising. I was down at the library there on, ooh, I can't think the cross street, but North Avenue. And the group of kids from Gilman um, came down in, in all shapes, sizes, colors, creeds, religion. Um, there's something about the moment right now, I think that's speaking to people I don't know if it's because it's a younger crowd. I don't know if it right. was just, it felt like it was time, but I just feel like we're, that's what I appreciate even more now that not just that I've decided or or my growth voice has grown, but I think there are a lot of voices um, that were unsure before that have found certainty. My uh, my daughters are 12 and 13. I know exactly what you're talking about uh, yeah. in terms of learning more from them. Uh, Jason, listen, we'll, we'll get you out on an easy one. Um, <laughs> we're, now listen, we're all dads uh, on on this show, um, so I, you know, I, I gotta ask. It's, it's kind of a two part question, you know. One, what is the, what what's at the soul of a good dad joke, and do you have, and 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 do you have, do you have one for us? Can you even if even if it's an old one? I know. I'm I'm putting them on the spot. I'm putting them on. The no, spot. no, I'm sure I could. I could think of one, but I swear, like I said, Bashar, man, you could have. Don't you want to know about how the trenches of reporting twenty years ago? <laughs> All right. So the key, you know, I don't. I don't think it's the joke that it's that is the key. I think the. I think it's the lead up to the joke or or trying to turn it into a story. I think that's what kind of sells it sometimes. So for me and Mindy, I think the my approach to her and her response was way funnier than the joke. Um, Shoot, there's one that I was telling her about uh, <laughs> why is uh, why are jokes? Shoot, I'm gonna get it wrong. I hope I get this right. Uh, <laughs> why are jokes about uh, elevators always so funny? Because they work on so many different levels. <laughs> uh -oh. See, it, 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 it's just matter of fact kind of thing, you know. It's just. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I love it. Jason, before before we let you go, like on that note, we talk about the rapport in the newsroom and, and yeah. you can see it. You know, I watched this morning. Here we are. We've got the snow event in town. Ava's in there. Taylor's in there. Mindy's in there. You're doing your thing. You've been in there since 3.30 in the morning. It's a grind. But the rapport is there. Let, let me ask you this because I was watching that morning. I'll take you back to October of 2017 uh -oh. when, when Lacey's water broke oh, on, on, on air. 
Yeah. Um, which, you know, and I rewatched the video just because I remember, you know, as, as a public affairs professional, I, I'm, I always have a trained eye at what's going on. And we can usually tell when something's either gone off script or gone wrong or something's up. And, and she's like, yeah, there's some issues on the beltway and yeah, I'm going to kick it to Ava. And you, can immediately <laughs> tell. you were like, whoa, something's yeah. up. And so I, I guess the question is, and so she, her water breaks and journey is born very mm-hmm. shortly after. And, and thank goodness journey w- was born safely yeah. for, for you as a news professional. Was that the craziest thing you've seen either in man about town interviews or things like that? And then how do you hold it together after that? You know, knowing that, you have a rapport and a bond and a friendship as journalists, and you've just watched one of your colleagues have a medical event right there on air. Yeah. How, how did you handle that? You know, that was that was a crazy day. And, uh, and, and back to rapport, like we're a family, man. And so we even at that point, I'm not sure how long Lacey had been doing traffic, but I we can read each other. And I knew when she was walking to the desk, like she just didn't just didn't seem like herself, you know, slow walk to the desk. And so it just sort of stood there and kind of looked at me, did her thing. And as she's talking, I guess a, I think a graphic may have come up and she never stops. Like she never stumbles. Like she just keeps going. And she get, she looked at me and I could see, tell she was breathing hard. Um, and then I looked down and I realized what was happening, but she was going to try to keep going. And I tapped her on her hand and sort of nodded. And then she tossed and went. But I mean, the, let me tell you, when I looked down on the ground, I was like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> I know what's going on here. So now I'm, you know, I'm in my head. I'm definitely figuring out the next step and how to get out. Do I toss the commercial break or let things go? How do I alert people? But at the same time, I knew that we had to just, the, the the train had to keep going. Like we had to finish that without jeopardizing her safety. Now, if I felt like she, if I felt like she was not gonna, like there's something's gonna turn bad, say, I would have easily just, we have to go to commercial break, we'll be right back. But I, I had the sense because she was walking around everything that we were good to go. Um, but there, there are definitely moments that you just, I don't know, man, it's, it's kind of like when you know your kid isn't having a good day, you don't have to ask them. Uh, and so I knew as a as a family member that 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 wasn't that something definitely wasn't right. So what happens after that? Listen, I've never had a baby before. I don't know what the next step is. So I knew that I needed to pull back. And some of the ladies came in and helped her, and they knew what to do. So I went to the janitor's closet, and I got the bucket. I knew what the cleaning solution was. I got a mop, and I said, the best thing I can do right now is stay out of the way, and I'll clean this up. And no one's the wiser. What happened in the city? <laughs> See, um, it's a it's a sign that Ravens fans can actually you know, help Steelers fans when, when see, the time comes. We have a heart, man. But yeah, that was by far <laughs> that was by far the the strangest thing that's ever happened to me. And I think that you know, um, we come to work and on the worst of days and the best of days and all this stuff, and we we shut it all down and we read off the teleprompter. We try to be as 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 close as we can and make you guys hopefully enjoy something and get something out of it. But you know, we have lives too and. And it's tough, you know, it could be tough to put some of that stuff behind you and and, and present a dad joke and be good with it. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 definitely, I'm not lying. We said this off camera and off before recording, I found something that I love. Um, and so I, I couldn't, I don't want to do anything else, man. I can't imagine sitting behind a desk. Well, you do it so well. And and oh. before I kick it to, to Bashan to, uh, to take us out, you know, I, I I'll, I'll reiterate what you said, that the local stories, the local audiences are critical. We, we made reference to uh, the Baltimore Sun Group being being purchased by uh, by a nonprofit. And, and that's great news for the local paper, for the local stories, for mm-hmm. the Sun, for the Annapolis Capitol. And, it, and, it, and I think that it's a great sign that here locally, particularly from WBAL, and you mentioned the MAR and the other channels down to the print media, that we need to keep the local story going. And so, so from me to you and the rest of the group there, particularly Lowell and his, <laughs> and his goggles and, and Jay Fro and the whole group, thank you for what you do to get the story out to the audiences. Thank you, John. We, we appreciate you guys watching. We you know, obviously could not do it without you. And we just know that we're doing it with, with the viewer in mind. Uh, we have our own you know, thoughts about how to present stories in the newsroom that we think we'd like. But I think in the end, we're making sure that for a viewer that we're doing this so that you know what street is safe. Uh, as far as the snow goes, you know, you know what restaurants you can go to that will have 50% capacity. Like we want you to know where, if your mom and dad haven't hugged the grandkids in a bit, where they can go and get the vaccine. So what we do is, you know, we're we're hopefully looking out for the the viewer and the listener. Outstanding. 
ladies and gentlemen, he's Jason Newton, WBAL TV 11 in Baltimore, Maryland, full time reporter and broadcaster, part time obstetrician, part time janitor. <laughs> Oh, so many job titles. Uh, and part-time comedian in training. I think I got, I think I got at least, yeah, yeah so many. Only get, so only get paid for one of those uh, Jason, jobs. thank you. Thank you for being. Thank you, brother. Hey, hey listen, but we, listen, who, who knows with, with, with what lays ahead tomorrow? Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Folks, we're going to take a break. Stay with us. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. We're back. It's time to look out on the horizon. John, what do you see in the week ahead? Well, I was talking to you guys before we aired about a USA Today article that um, ran on the 15th of February, and the, and the title is There's No Giant National Campaign for COVID-19 Vaccination Education, and we'll post this uh, article in our weekly clips uh, this coming weekend after the podcast. I thought it was a really good discussion about how one-size-fits-all communication campaigns are often not effective, and particularly with something as fragile as the national and global psyche during coronavirus, um, still time for people on the local level um, and the national level to, to really sharpen their tools and make sure that they communicate. I almost went back to my Navy war college days, like strategic level, operational level, tactical level. But it, but it is true that, that you have to look at this as a strategic level problem that's been going on for a year. And you've got an entire population of the world chomping at the bit to get their kids back into shoulder pads and out on the fields and out of the house and into schools. And they want to go to bars and restaurants and just a return to normalcy. So you've got a very anxious audience and an audience that has a pretty, um, it's, it's a, it's a delicate view of vaccines, right? We won't go into what the anti-vax, uh, scenario is, you know, in, in the United States of America and the world, but you know, you've got a real challenge ahead of you that if you want to climb out of this, then you're going to have to get people vaccinated or you're going to have to, like polio, eventually get this to the point where it is expunged based on the um, on the adherence of the population to the to the rules and regulations that you've asked them to follow. So, you know, the, the article I thought was just really well done, um, you know, one particular uh paragraph at the beginning says the kind of one size fits all public service announcements that once blanketed the country won't work for COVID vaccine. Um, you know, those were good for universal messages. You know, hey, this is how you prevent forest fires with Smokey the Bear. Keep America beautiful. Uh, don't litter with the crying Native American. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. Those kind of national things can work but with COVID, you have to you have to direct those messages to different communities, particularly minority communities, those communities most hard hit by the vaccine, in a new and nuanced way. Um, so, so if you are an organization, if you are a local leader, if you are a national leader, you have to be mindful of this. And and it is a great cautionary tale, or at least a good education for people in the communications business writ large that. You know, think about this. You know, when you're being asked to do a campaign um, or any kind of educational effort, whether internally or externally, don't think that it, you know, you just drop it on paper and that messaging is going to work for every single subsegment of your audience. Don't think of it that way. Um, for me, I'm ultra desperate to get the vaccine. For Chris, he's already received the vaccine. Um, I know a lot of people who say, I won't get the vaccine no matter what people tell me to do. Um, so this is a critical time for communicators. And I think the best way to do it is to remember that you always have to put your audience first, you know, before you throw messaging down on paper, think of who the audience is, think of what you want to tell them and why you want to tell them that particular thing. And then know that the message has to morph based on those subsets of the audience going forward with that, you will be successful. And I think the next four to five months 
are hypercritical for this messaging campaign because I know that I am in that segment of the population that's hoping that come Labor Day of 2021, that my kids are back in school, that I am having in-person meetings and I'm going to restaurants and that this country is healed. Um, and, you know, I know that there will be some, some hiccup way that we have to overcome, but the messaging between now and the end of the summer is really critical. And I implore leaders and communicators out there to not only read this article, but really take a look at your communication processes and inject some rigor and inject some, uh, you know, some real talent behind that. And, and as always, you know, the provision advisors can help you with that. Thanks, John. Chris, how about you? We are about 30 days into uh, the first 100 days of the Biden administration. Um, and whether it's the presidency or a new CEO or the stand-up of an organization, that first hundred days kind of it, it main you know it remains the the get out of the gate period that new efforts really seek to optimize. Um, and so um, the first two weeks of that first thirty days was. You know, as you alluded to, Bashan, in our opening segment, you know, it was about communicating what normal looks like and what comfortable looks like. And then we, right. you know, dealt with two weeks of ugliness with the impeachment and the the healing process of um, the the post January sixth. You know, moving forward, I think that you know the next uh, 60 days, 60 to 70 days are going to be critical for this president and for this White House as they seek to drive home their uh, their points about uh, coronavirus, as they seek to set a national economic and national security strategy, as they seek to really lay the foundation in which they will release a budget on in May and will govern on the rest of 2021 and into the future. So um, I'm worried about um, calls for a September 11th style commission to look at the January 6th event and extremism mm -hmm. in the country. And, and not not because I don't think that they that needs to occur, but because I think it's going to be very hard for the president to roll out the first hundred days of priorities and own the communication environment that is necessary to be able to carry some of those uh, initiatives forward. So um, this is a big week for the White House. The, the next two weeks are, are big weeks for the White House, and uh, I, I'm interested in in watching. Um, how they communicate and then how their messaging and approach ripples down through government and through influencers. Hey, Bashan, before you, uh, going to be an awkward segue for the gravity of what Chris just talked about, but do you are now, um, you know, down in the belly of the beast, just north of Daytona. Uh, this past weekend was the Daytona 500, the return of the great American race. What was that dynamic like, and and where do you see NASCAR um, in terms of a nation in returning to uh, returning to normalcy? You know, and, and because I kind of viewed that as the Super Bowl was the Super Bowl, but now you know NASCAR is back, and everyone was huge behind it. Um, you know, what are the you know what did you observe being right there? Um, you know, as part of that conversation, which is usually like a huge day in America, sometimes bigger than the Super Bowl. They hold up the fact that they were the first sport back um, and that they worked very hard to make sure that they didn't have to um, postpone or stop the season again. Um, so they've, they've really tried very hard with the protocols that are, that are in place. And um, I, as I mentioned last week, I had the opportunity to go to one of the speed week events and, you know, they took your temperature and there was social distancing and they encouraged you to wear a mask the, the whole time. And so, I mean, from that standpoint, I mean, they're they're focused very hard on making sure that they have a successful 2021 season. Um, I think they would measure success by, um, you know, no break in, in the season. They would also measure it by slowly being able to add more and more fans. Um, I mean, the, I think there was like a, a 10th of the fans that are normally invited to the Daytona 500. Now that was even 
that was stifled even further by the thunderstorms that um, Florida dealt with all, all week. So a lot of the events were postponed or rescheduled or so that, that put more of a damper on it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they're a good litmus for, for the rest of the sports world, for the rest of the entertainment world, as you, you know, as you start to look at like what concerts will look and feel like as you start to look at what, you know, kids sports will look and feel like. I mean, I think that you've got to have that rheostat on the right number. I think if you try to get out of the gate too fast, um, you can find yourself right back to where you finished up uh, 2020. So, I mean, kudos to NASCAR um, for, I think, for having that rheostat about right. I think you're you're seeing that in the golf world as well. Um, they're really, you know, trying to slowly grow the number of fans, but not do that in a way that causes problems to, uh, to the sport. So yeah, it'll be something to watch. I, I will say, John, just since you, you kind of mentioned NASCAR, I, I will just give one other point to what you said, a huge hurdle for the ability to communicate effectively on COVID-19 and on the vaccine has been the problems with the rollout. Right. I mean, like, you know, we, we've always talked about that strategic communications can't be like hot sauce, you know, that you put on sh shitty food to give it taste. I, I think that um, communication when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine can't just be something that you try to sprinkle on. Like uh, uh, people are going to take their read from how effective the rollout is. And I mean, you know, throughout Florida and throughout, it seems like the DMV and in other places that I, I, you know, maintain contacts, it has not been a seamless rollout uh, of the vaccine, uh, of the vaccine, right? I mean, people have a hard okay. time getting appointments. They, um, there is contradictions in that. So, um, that makes just sort of baseline communication by audience, I think, even all the more tough um, as you, you know, to say nothing of trying to convince people that are already skeptical of vaccines to to take this vaccine. So I think it's an uphill battle for the, the next several months. That's a good take. I, the reason I asked is I, I was very impressed with like NASCAR's rollout, um, which wasn't really vaccine based, but, you know, about the return and and their efforts in terms of advertising and commercials, you know, have been very mindful of the gravity of the situation. And you know, between the PGA and and NASCAR and and other organizations out there, rolling out a return to normalcy and a vaccine is critical to that return to normalcy. I'm watching with a very discerning eye, and so I, I think that's. That's a great take. Let's hope that the Orioles have a similar rollout and and allow me to be in the stadium to uh, to not miss my 20th consecutive opening day on April 8th against the Boston Red Sox. I'll, I'll add one other thing. I apologize. I don't mean to like beat on NASCAR, um, or, but I mean, it is interesting. Um, you, you know, this is kind of the first, as you said, NASCAR is the first season or the first major sport along with golf to kind of begin their season um, in the, in the spring. So they're dealing with COVID they're dealing with, um, trying to grow a new black and Brown fan base, um, as, um, demonstrated by Michael Jordan being an owner, um, by Pitbull being an owner. So they're really trying to grow that black and Brown uh, fan base. Um, this is, will be their first full season where the Confederate flag is banned. Um, in the infield and in any iconography that people bring to the race, not just race teams, but like if you're a fan and you're seen with um, the Confederate flag, they, they will ask you to leave. And that's on your ticket. That's set at the gate. It's They make announcements. So, I mean, th this is very much an organization that is in transition from a health standpoint, from a social standpoint. Um, they're always in transition from a technology standpoint. So, they're a good case study to watch what works and what doesn't work as the year progresses. Agreed. It's a great conversation, gentlemen. Thank you both. Shout out to Brad Doherty. Uh, gentlemen, I'll, I'll close this out really quickly with this. And John, you alluded to it earlier. Uh, across the nation right now, uh, many states, many community, uh, communities are dealing with some very severe weather, uh, unlike anything they've ever seen before. Some freezing temperatures, a lot of snow in places that have never seen uh, snow before and, and, and large accumulations of it. 
uh, so much so that it's actually having an effect, having a large effect on, on the power grid. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, a lot of large cities uh, losing power uh, in large swaths. Um, and so, you know, this conversation is today's podcast. We've talked about a lot of what the nation is having to deal with. Uh, and this just adds on uh, another layer of tumult uh, to people who are already struggling. So uh, what I want to do is, you know, on this show, you know, we always we look, we have we have friends in these places. We have friends uh, in these states. And, uh, you know, it's something that is a, of a concern for us. And I just hope uh, that that leaders in the communities across these states and across these places that are dealing with this severe weather uh, are keeping an eye on the most vulnerable uh, out there. And so that that's just something that I'll be keeping an eye on uh, as that happens this week. Folks, that's our show for today. We appreciate you joining us on Three Season of Pod with Chris John Bashan. Remember to find and subscribe to this podcast on all of your podcast platforms. Uh, if you're looking for more information as your business or organization navigates the communication environment, feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net, where you can also sign up to receive our weekly update. It's delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday morning. You don't want to miss it. In the meantime, please be safe, wear a mask, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.